Hello and welcome to another jam-packed and super exciting edition of the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast. I am the traffic anchor for Denver 7 News. My name is Jason Luber, and I like to talk transportation, any kinds of transportation, anything that basically gets you from here to there. With me today is my favorite co-host, the favorite fill-in that we have ever had on this program, the anchor reporter extraordinaire, Nicole Brady. Wow. Hello, Nicole. Thank you for having me back. I guess I survived the other guys. You just did, They didn't work out. Well, no. they. Well, you know. <laughs> they don't. They're just not you. Just not the I same. I mean, there, there's there's you, and then there's everybody else. Ah, yes. That's All basically right. how well, it works. Thank you. I'm so happy to be back. Because we're still without our normal co-host, mm-hmm. Joseph Peters. He's been gone for what six or eight weeks. It seems like Is he a long not here time. Anymore? I don't know. I, I haven't seen anymore. him. Yeah. Well, you know, he works on the entirely different side of yes. the shit. You know, <laughs> he's 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 there in the evenings, and we're here in the mornings, and rarely do we see people in the evenings. Right. And I've always said, if I'm seeing those evening people, that means I'm doing something wrong or something really bad is going on outside because yeah. uh, then I'm here. Like the snowstorm when I was here for, what, 16 hours? The entire day, yeah. Staying downtown, and that was a lot of fun. And then, uh, you know, it's so you, you, ne- you never know what you're going to get. And when you see the afternoon people, it's never a good day. Uh, <laughs> and I'm sure for them, they don't want to really see us very much either. Anyhow, he's, he's moved out to the west side of town. Yep. He doesn't have uh, transportation at this point. See, he used to wake up on Wednesday mornings and just roll out of bed and walk here, take a couple of minutes to walk over here to the building, right. uh, record the show. He still smelled a little bit, uh, but we, that was fine. But he um, but he would just be able to record the show, and then he would leave and go do whatever he was going to do, and then he would come back to work later. Well, that is his choice, to be a pedestrian or yes. ride a scooter and, and not and, have a car. And since he moved to the west side of town, he can't just roll out of bed and no, walk here. No. So therefore, we don't have him until he has some kind of transportation. He could take the train. I think he's living near the oh, train. Oh, the G line now? No, the W line. The W line. He's out okay. in Lakewood. Yeah. Lakewood, okay. Um, so anyway, he's not here, and that doesn't matter because you are, and that is right. good for us. Yeah. Good for me, good for the listeners, and well, I think, I hope. For you, it's good for you. It is. I enjoy being here. By the way, this weekend, coming up here in Denver, is the Colfax Marathon. Yeah. And I understand you're going to be running half of it. Half. Only half. I thought about doing the full, and then when I ran about 10 miles one day, I realized, no way am I doing 26. And 13 is... Point one seems hard enough. I haven't done a half marathon since before I had kids, so it's been about seven years. So I just wanted to challenge myself. I also hear it's a nice view. The Colfax Marathon sure. gets you past the the city park and zoo area. You get to run through the zoo, and so I just thought it might be a fun a fun time. Oh, might yeah. be a fun time. <laughs> Running for 13 miles is a fun time. <laughs> I don't want to have fun with you, Nicole. This well, I is... know that. I know you don't. <laughs> you choose not to run. I would yeah. rather have this kind of fun with you yeah. rather than the running kind of fun. Because that, to me, is no fun. Well, to each his own. Yes, I, I guess so. I like it. I zone out a little when I run, and uh, kind of brings me that inner peace that we all seek. So Yeah, it's, as you're pounding the pavement <laughs> there. It's not, it, just, it can't be good. Anything else? What else is happening in Nicole's world? Well... 
Not much. I'm excited for school to be over. Oh, really? For this year. Don't. Look, I'm with you on that. Yeah. I love my kids. I love being around my kids. There are so many parents, though, some in this building, uh-huh. uh, some that we work with, Ooh. that. LH, uh, maybe? <laughs> initials? <laughs> yeah. who, who can't stand to have their kids home for the summertime and love having them away at school. Well, I, I'm in the middle. I like having them at school. I, but I like having the, the, I I mean, I love summer. It's my favorite season. So I love being able to do stuff with them in the summer. I, you know, I don't really like having them home in the winter, to be honest. That's kind (laughs) of stuck in the house. Uh, So no, I'm very excited to just get out there. They, they have some fun things they'll get to do. I am glad that they're going to be going to one place instead of two different schools. Aren't they now what, four and six? Five and six. Five and six. So that next year they'll be in the same school, which will be great. But, um, but they, yeah, they just like to spend time together and I'm, I'm excited to, to make one drive, go pick them up, come home, go swimming, do fun stuff like that. Exactly. Yeah. That is fun. Yeah. I love That's. The reason I had kids is well, I love my kids, and I like to be around them yeah. because they. Jolene, my the little one, she she is funnier than anybody else I know. Oh, she is so yeah. she makes me laugh like nobody else, and so it's great. And then they, and then my girls they stare at me when they're making me laugh, and it and it, and they enjoy it. They it's now their mission to try to get daddy to laugh uncontrollably. Oh. So that's a good thing. A couple of comedians. Okay. Yes. We have a lot of great stuff on the program today, including a call from Lloyd. <laughs> Lloyd is a Lloyd. older gentleman, and he has a bone to pick with one of my traffic updates. You wouldn't get a younger person named Lloyd. You really don't have no. a lot of did he Lloyds. Say, did he say his age? Uh, no, he didn't say his age, but he, he did just... say he was living in a retirement community. Okay. I think okay. he says that in his, uh, in his call to me that we'll play later. Um, but, yeah, you don't, you don't really see a lot of Bobs and Daves and Randys. No. No, you don't see a lot of that. You see all these different kind of names at school now. It, it, like you would never see any of those common names that you would get on a traveling mug. You know, on those mugs that you go when you when you go to a truck stop and you see all the mugs or keychains with all the names on them. Yeah. Yeah. Though, you know, though don't you can't find those now. I I met a, my son's Dylan. Yeah. Just been around for a little yeah, while. Yeah, Dylan's okay. But I met an older Dylan the other day, and I said, "You're you're an old Dylan," <laughs> and he said. <laughs> I did. Okay. He said his parents were hippies, named him in, uh, you know, the early 60s. Okay. Bob Dylan was oh, sure. why they named him that. And, uh, yeah. So well, that makes there sense. you go. He's like a 50-year-old Dylan, which is, fifty, no, more than 50. Yeah. And uh, that's kind of old for a Dylan. Uh, how did he react when you called him an old Dylan? He laughed. He thought he was fine with that. So, <laughs> Well, if anybody has a question... That they would like answered or a comment about the show, you can call the show. You can leave a voicemail at this specific number. Are you ready? It's 303 832 8037. That number again, 303 832 8037. That number one more time. I oh, wasn't no, no. listening, oh, okay. so well, don't <laughs> ask me to repeat. <laughs> Uh, feel I'll just free. bring my concerns directly to you. Perfect. Yeah. That's all I need. Uh, feel free to leave a message at that number, and then uh, maybe we'll play it here on the uh, program. A question, a comment, a statement, a, uh, I don't know, whatever you want to say. Fan mail. Uh, fan yeah, mail, just, sure, whatever mm-hmm. it is, and I'll, we'll play it here on the show. Also coming up today, we're going to speak with the company Geotab. They're heavy into connecting fleet vehicles to the Internet, and they came out with this study that looked at 
potential traffic issues with the amount of time that we spend either on the train or uh, a bus with transit versus the amount of time we spend driving. And it's interesting numbers, and I'll speak to them all about that, and that's coming up in just a few minutes. There are also different traffic laws, as we know, not just from city to city and state to state, but also all over the world. And since we're a worldwide show, we're listened to all over the world. Yes, we we're are. huge into Spain and also in Japan right now. A lot of downloads in Spain and Japan for some reason. Really, we've they also had some understand us, and we've okay. also yes, they, I, there are people that I think that speak English in Japan. Yes, they they do definitely. Uh, maybe Wait. they have some kind of cool <laughs> translate feature that we that we don't Ooh. yet have now that they're working on. I don't know in Japan. Anyhow, we are also downloaded fairly well in in the UK, and this story comes from the UK. And there are some traffic fines that are, are tough to stomach, right? I mean, when you, when you get popped with a really expensive speeding ticket, that's, that's pretty tough to handle. Well, drivers in Wales, part of the United Kingdom, you, you know of yes, Wales. Yes, I know that, okay, Jason. Good. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> they are faced with some potential <laughs> traffic offenses that have very stiff fines, and most people don't even know that they're doing something wrong. So in Wales, Nicole, it is illegal to honk your horn while in stationary traffic. It's okay in a time of danger or when you're parked, but not in stopped traffic. Like if you were in New York City, everybody is honking their horn. In stopped traffic, right? Yeah, they'd all get a citation, huh? If you're issued a ticket for this, you could get a fine of up to a thousand pounds. Wow. That's a that's I don't a know lot the, of the rate of exchange. It's right more now, than dollars. Yeah, okay, yeah. Also, if you're swearing or making rude gestures to another driver, that could also land you a fine of nearly a thousand pounds. Wow! Yeah, so no one finger salutes. They really Nicole. don't like the road ragers there. They do not. Uh, playing excessively loud music in your car that could cost you up to a hundred pounds. I mean, you know, you're playing Fifty Cent right there in your in your Durango mm-hmm. as you're rolling down. Blasting it yeah. as you're rolling down Logan. Uh, so here, I wanted to get your reaction on some of the top. Most commonly committed offenses in Wales. Okay. All right. Eating while driving. We see that a lot here. Yeah. I mean, how do you not sometimes? Honking the horn while stopped in traffic. Changing a CD while driving. Apparently, you're not allowed to do that. Hmm. Who has has CDs anymore, though? Yeah, yeah, right. I I just bought a uh, new used car, a 2013, that does have a CD player. Really? Okay. Uh, not clearing the snow from the roof of your car. Ah, it's a yeah. big Canadian thing. Mm-hmm. They do that a lot in Canada. You get fined for that. Driving over a painted mini roundabout. Hmm. Paint. A painted mini roundabout. They didn't driving say over it. Over it. I guess it, there, maybe there's nothing in the median. Maybe okay. it's just, and uh, just drive, drive straight it. through it. Maybe okay, that's a, <laughs> that sounds a little odd. What about I've a full size roundabout? Yeah, no, that, I've never seen do anyone do one in any size. Yeah, uh, swearing or making rude gestures to other drivers—that's not allowed in Wales. Uh, flashing your headlights to warn other drivers of a speed trap. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I. I, I mean, some of them, I think, make perfect sense. The eating while driving, no, I, I don't know how you... Unless you're swerving around and the police officer notices that you have a donut in your hands and your <laughs> sticky fingers are preventing you from... 
holding the wheel. Uh, yeah, I don't see why that would be a problem. But flashing your lights, see, I, that's that's a First Amendment issue, and, and obviously other countries don't have the First Amendment as we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but we have deemed that a First Amendment right in the United States. We have, really? Yes. Oh, wow. I it is okay. Well, yeah. It is your constitutional right on a public roadway to warn some other motorist or another person that a officer might be up ahead. And that's typically what the flashing of the lights is. Get everybody to slow down. Uh, uh, Driving barefoot or in flip-flops, not allowed in Wales. Yeah. Is is that allowed here? Yeah. Okay. I've done it. It's not recommended. I know you're not supposed to, right. Because you you should have proper footwear if Mm -hmm. you get involved in a crash or you have some kind of disabled vehicle, you get a flat tire, you don't want to try to change a flat with bare feet. I've had to take my shoes off before. I don't, I don't remember why. You know, maybe it's just they're uncomfortable. <laughs> but I've taken shoes off before in the car because they're getting to the point where they're, you know, maybe it's the heels at the end of the workday, and I, and I just have to by that time. But it's not easy to drive like that. I find so I try not. I mean, I don't do it that often. I find I've my done f- it when I really just can't take it anymore. But. I find my foot as I have a big foot. I wear size thirteen shoes. Yeah, and my foot curls around that little gas pedal because the gas yeah. pedal is pretty small <laughs> right it's fit, small, yeah. narrow, right and so my foot kind of curves around it and it's not very comfortable at all no and and if we couldn't drive in flip-flops nobody would drive ever oh no this is a flip-flop culture especially here in colorado mm-hmm. yeah no, crazy about the flip summer yeah using your phone's navigation without it being fixed to the car like a phone holder not allowed in wales yeah sounds about uh, right. Yeah, I mean, people, you know, really, we're not supposed to be using our phones for anything here. Here, Here's one. Here's a story I actually worked on uh, for my Driving You Crazy segment on the DenverChannel.com. Driving with a dog in the passenger seat. <laughs> um, yeah, depends it's, on the size of the dog, the behavior so many people of the do that. dog. Yeah. You're supposed to have them in yeah. the back crated there is right. uh, i covered this in uh new jersey they actually now have a law against this where you have to have it crated in the back okay. and you can't drive around with your dog because it is such a distraction yeah here and in colorado it is it's not a official law to not do it but you could if they get in the way and you get in a crash that you could be cited partially for being distracted i don't think too many people do that unless they know their dog is going to behave most people wouldn't put their dog in the danger. Oh, people of, do it all the time. I see they put their dog, their little dog in their lap while no, they're driving geez, and it's okay, sticking never. its face out of the window. And how can you not be distracted? Well, I don't know. I, I, I couldn't. I could never put my dogs in the front seat. They sit way, way in the back of the vehicle when we take them. But they places. don't always stay there. I saw some guy yeah. just the other morning driving and his, his, his big dog was in the back seat, but mm-hmm. he was standing on the center console, so his face was in the front, and so the guy, we were at a stoplight, and he was petting the dog, and the dog was licking his face, and that's that's a distraction. Hmm. You're stopped, obviously, yeah. but when you're going, the dog doesn't really care yeah. that you're going. You're not going. He wants to lick your face. Yeah. Mine are in the way back, you know. the Oh, way, the, way, way back. Way, way back. You All know, the, the way back. Yeah, they can't get up. <laughs> not like in family vacation, where they're so far back, they're actually... Attached to the yeah, bumper. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and lastly, the the offenses that are illegal in Wales. Driving through puddles and splashing pedestrians. That's just mm, rude. It is. We've, uh, we've covered stories 
about doing that. There was one I remember, this van driver in, I believe it was Canada, and he was doing that on purpose to several people on the side uh, on the sidewalk, and that driver was eventually fired for doing that, wow. for being a jerk. Yeah. It's not illegal here, I don't believe. It's just uncouth. Yeah. Well, what about back to the honking? Right. I mean, they you're not allowed to honk unless it's a danger situation, an right. emergency situation. Well, if you're in stopped traffic. In stopped traffic. Yes. So I think what it's supposed to do is is, is to keep the noise level down and okay. the road rage down. Okay. That's, a, that's what I imagine. Yeah. So you can't honk at someone who isn't going for a light for... That's well, not. no, maybe if you just do it, you know, I, I, mean, I think if you did the, 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 know, the, the double tap. tap, the, hey, come on, let's move it. Okay. Put the phone down okay. and let's you get going. You think that's okay? So, because otherwise I just don't really see the point of a horn at all. Maybe it'd be a case by, what? I don't see the point of a horn unless you're trying to notify people about something like well, that. Well, that's what the horn is for. Right. That's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. But sometimes people use it out of aggression. Right. Like, I am but, so sick of all but, this traffic! Okay, but, but my husband uses it all the time. Well, I know he does, and because he's a road rage craze ball. he's road raging, yeah, all the time. And I've talked about that. A craze ball. Um, <laughs> but and you he, can feel free to use he, that he on him any time. But he doesn't use it in stop traffic. He uses it in moving traffic. <laughs> so, See? Which is just as dangerous and yes. annoying. Well, please, don't ever take him to Wales and drive a car. I know. Never. No, do they don't drive, do They do drive on the opposite side of the road there, right? I imagine so they do, since it is part of the United we Kingdom. We wouldn't be driving a car there. Because you can't drive on the other side? I, I, Have you tried I it? No, I haven't tried it. Yes, it's interesting. It takes, a, it takes a few times around the roundabout to figure it out. Yeah. I mean, it's hard enough to be a pedestrian in those city, in London... And, and know which way to look. Have you been yeah. there to London? Yes, and where they have the signs that warn you, don't <laughs> look this way. The cars are coming from this way. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Nicole. When Tampa International Airport, as part of its billion-dollar makeover, they brought in 70 new restaurants and bars and shops, but it overlooked a major problem. The problem was the people who were really excited about all the new shops and restaurants said, we can't go to those bars and restaurants because most of them are inside the secure concourse area at the airport. Right. They're not in the open terminal area where you can get to it before you would have to go through security. So Tampa airport officials began talking with transportation uh, security administration officials, and now the airport has launched an all-access program to allow a limited number of non-travelers to go inside the secured concourse area one day a week. In Tampa, they call their concourses air sides for some reason. Mm. Instead of calling it concourse A and B, they call it air sides, like one and two or whatever. The, anyway, but this is the first time since September 11th, since the terror attacks, really changed the way wow. we all get in and around security and changed air travel, that people without plane tickets are going to be allowed to go unescorted into and outside these air sides at Tampa International Airport. It's one of the few airports in uh, Florida that I have not been to yet. Tampa International is the third airport in the country to try this program. The other two are Pittsburgh and Seattle. Pittsburgh launched the program back in August of 2017. And Seattle, they have about 1,100 users during a six-week pilot program that went through this program late last year. It was just uh, for six weeks there in Seattle. And after some tweaks, they hope to restart that program sometime later this year in Seattle. So the special non-traveler passes are free. You can go to anybody. 
And then you can go to any of the shops except for the duty free shops. So no duty free booze or smokes for you, Nicole. Oh, okay, because I, yeah, I know how you want to. I, st- I know yeah. how you want to st- You know, <laughs> stock up on the Pall Malls. So here's how it works. The program is only available on Saturdays, at least for right now huh. in Tampa. And residents have to sign up at least 24 hours in advance, so that way your name can be checked against the federal do-not-fly list so they know that people that shouldn't be in there are not in there. The airport will allow 100 non-travelers, 25 at each of its four airsides, concourses, if you will, to get a gate pass in the main terminal, and then you go through TSA security, and it would be from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., so any time during those 12-hour period. And, but you have to abide by the same rules as a traveler would, so you can't bring your more than three ounces of fluid, so you can't bring your full bottle of shampoo, Nicole, through okay. security and then go shopping or go eating at any of those restaurants. Not that okay. I think you would want to do that or bring, your, bring yes. your full bottle of scope as you're going over there to one of the restaurants so you can mask your breath after you've been drinking there at the airport <laughs> terminal. The airport is starting small, they say, so that visitors don't get uh, in the way of the passengers who are actually needing to get through the airport to catch their flights. Right. Because you don't want to have a rush of a whole lot of people out there. And they say if the program is successful, they're going to look at expanding it, right? I was also thinking that the prices usually at the airport are much more right. uh, expensive to buy I guess the prices are much higher. Oh yeah. At, at an airport bar, grill, I whatever. Hate eating at the airport. I mean, it's what yeah. at least twenty-five to fifty percent higher, right? Easily. I mean, yeah. not quite as much as going to the ball game, but it's still way higher yes. when you pay six bucks for a beer or whatever it is, right? It's way higher than you're going to get at the TGI oh, yeah. Fridays down the, the street. Sandwich is more expensive. A meal is fifty bucks all of a sudden when it, you know a sit-down meal versus. I don't know. So 30, uh, that, maybe? that's yeah, that's yeah. what I wonder. How many people really want to go pay I the don't... extra high prices to go to the airport? Now maybe some of these restaurants are really super cool and you can't get them anywhere else in your city. If but that were the case, that would be about the only reason. And in most cities, the airport is on the outskirts of town. Mm-hmm. Like here at Denver, it is it's a long way away. It's a $10 train ride. Just one way out there. So it'd be 20 bucks there and back if you wanted to take the train from downtown. Uh-huh. And it's about a 45-minute ride on the train. It would probably be a lot more if you're taking an Uber or driving out there. You have to figure out the parking, the short-term park, all that mm-hmm. stuff. So you have to, all those added costs, plus the added costs of the the higher-priced drinks and yeah. food. You know, the the one thing we kind of lost after 9-11 that we used to do, of course, is go go into the airport to pick people up and pass the security and meet them at the gate. And we used to be able to do that. I don't know if now it, with these restaurants and other areas of the airport open, you could go and hang out and wait. for. Your, oh, your I see your scam here. You I see your scam here. I see what you're doing, Nicole. That's brilliant. Brilliant, I say. That's really smart. So you sign up, you know that your loved one is coming to the airport, flying in, (laughs) and you know they're going to be at gate C-17, and so you sign up for this program, 24, 48 hours, whatever, ahead, you're cleared, and you go meet that person, never having any desire to go to any of the shops or the restaurants or the bars at the airport, you just want to, boom, pick up your person, meet them at the gate, just like it used to be mm-hmm. back in the 70s and 80s, and then uh, and then off you go. 
Why not? Back home or whatever. No, it's great. Or conversely, you could then also get through security and see them off. off. Exactly. At the gate. You you could. Nicole. There, I solved it. <laughs> You're brilliant. See, this is why I have I you know. here on the Driving well, You Crazy podcast. I For insight like this. Once in a while. I have some good uh, good insight, usually when it is related to something, yeah, that we're trying to work around here, uh, make, make life a little easier. Um, if you wanted to go just hang out, eat, and meet someone in a layover or something, I mean, this would be a good place to go do that. You could just go hang out at the restaurant, spend some time with someone. I've done that before where someone has a layover in your city and maybe you just have a few hours to hang out. So, you know, sure. there are nice... Nice things about being able to just hang out at the airport. But with some of these programs, you have to plan it at least. So it's not like your right. friend just dry, flies oh, yeah. in and they says, hey, I got for say, three or four hours. Right. Uh, meet me for a beer at the airport. True. I mean, this has, and you have to probably really like this person because it's a. Well, a DIA, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it's a pro. Well, at most airports, it's still a process to get to the airport, get around the airport, mm-hmm. park, and do the. Do the whole thing, and because and, they're they're not small facilities. No, they're usually very large facilities with a lot of people wandering around with their heads looking straight up or looking straight down at the ground, and then wandering, and then you know you hit boom. Yeah, right there. Yeah, in general, no, most people don't want to just go hang out at the airport and pay the extra money and drive and uh, eat yeah, just to eat there. See, I Denver International is going through its own redevelopment mm-hmm. right now for however many billions of dollars, and I wondered about how they plan to, to accommodate all the new shops and restaurants they have, because right now in the terminal building, if anybody's flown in or out of Denver International, you go really to the concourses is where mm-hmm. the secure area is, and then the Grand Hall is what they call it, is open. They do have some shops and restaurants there. Not a whole lot of people sh- use those right now, but it is also where the security area is. But you can meet people that are coming through mm-hmm. in, into the main terminal. Well, as soon as they're done with this redevelopment, you are going to check in at your counter and then go right at the security area. They they have some of these in other airports. I think Miami is one of them where I've seen um, some of the other. I can't think of another one offhand right now that I've been through that's like that. That has the security right there after you check in Uh for your flight. And then everything else beyond that is in the secure area. So that's what it's going to be like at Denver International. So they're going to have all these shops and restaurants. And maybe they really don't care about us people outside the airport coming in. But they're going to have to accommodate the people that are going to be waiting for passengers coming out. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um, And maybe there are going to be people like they have now in Tampa that want to go in there and... uh, and go see some of those shops and restaurants and pay a premium for their uh, their high priced food. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know how. Uh, sure, you could maybe get a few more customers that that pay you money, but do, do airports really want more people, non air travel probably people not. coming in? Probably not. Denver is, I think, yeah. top five in the country, isn't it? Right for it's air travel, so, so they have a lot of people out there already. Yeah. Uh, maybe they don't want those extra people, but I love your uh, scam about getting in there and then dropping somebody off or meeting them there, there at the gate. There you go. Well, unless they, they cut them off somewhere in there. But, yeah, we can try it. So there we you go. Everybody it. listening in Pittsburgh, in Seattle, and and Tampa. Yeah. Boom. You, you are set. Yeah. You have the scam all ready to go, all thanks to Nicole Brady. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, A.K.A. 
Maui. Ah, yes. <laughs> In just a minute, we're going to get out the mailbag. Uh, but just a few days ago, you weren't around, unfortunately, when I was able to talk with this company called Geotab about a new traffic versus transit study they did. And I found the data quite interesting. Every working day, cities draw in hundreds of thousands of people from surrounding areas to come to work. But how long does it actually take people to get to work and which areas are really within range by your car or by public transit? The connected vehicle company, Geotab, analyzed millions of real commute times to find out. And joining me to talk about this is Kelly Hall, the communications lead at Geotab. Kelly, thanks for being here on the Driving You Crazy podcast. Thanks for having me. So, Kelly, before we get into some of the specifics about the study, let's talk about some generalities first. Let's talk about how you went about collecting the data for this study. Sure. So we examined data from more than 14 million commuters um, to determine what real commutes look like for 20 major cities across the U.S. We use data from the Census Transportation Planning Products tabulation, um, which basically looks at where people are coming from, where they're going to, and how they're getting there. So why did the company conduct this study? Is there a point that Geotab is trying to get across with the data? Yeah, so I mean, at the end of the day, Geotab uh, is a fleet management company. Um, We strive to kind of help our customers make informed decisions that helps them improve the efficiency of their fleet and their business. And that includes things like route optimization um, and reducing idling times, which really goes hand in hand with traffic congestion and sitting um, on the highway. So we thought that this would be an interesting study for not just customers, but the general public as well. Right, because you were studying not only for vehicles that would include, obviously, fleet management, but I don't see a lot of Amazon deliveries going by light (laughs) rail or by bus right now. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. And, I mean, commutes affect everybody, Um, pretty much every single person, unless you're working at your home office every single day, experiences some form of commute to get to work. So looking at the data for each of these cities, and there were about 20 of the major cities that uh, I saw, and I found some of the numbers pretty interesting. Like none of these major cities, the 20 major cities, had an average commute time of over an hour, either for vehicles or transit. Was that surprising for you folks as well? Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, we're based up in Canada, just outside of Toronto. And let me tell you, our commute sometimes can be very, very long, um, close to an hour, if not more. So it was pretty surprising to see on average drivers or even public transit users are not spending as much time as we thought um, traveling to their destinations. As I was looking at more of the numbers, the larger cities, which can be described, I would think, as having robust transit available, uh, cities like New York City and Boston and, and Philadelphia, Los Angeles, the average commute time by a vehicle is still faster than it is on transit. And it seems like it's that way for most of these big cities. Like New York City, it was 25% faster in your car over the transit. In Boston, 18%. San Francisco, it was 25% faster going in your car than it is on transit. And those are some of the busiest areas in the country. Yeah, I mean, honestly, that kind of information surprised us as well. Um, you think that by using public transit, you're maybe saving yourself a little bit of time from sitting in traffic on the major highways. But I think 
it might be up to commuters to choose the lesser of two evils. Um, would you rather sort of spend your time sitting in traffic and dealing with that headache, or would you like to kick back and sort of relax on public transit, but potentially take longer? Um, I think that's sort of an individual choice, but for sure, very surprising to see that it took, takes longer by public transit when that's sort of the viewed as a quicker or easier way to get to where you want to go. And I think that's what a lot of the transit folks likes to say is that you are going to be not sitting in traffic. You're going to actually have maybe time to sit and do some extra work. Well, yeah, you're going to have some time to do extra work and probably have your lunch and uh, do a lot of other things because you're going to be sitting on the trains or the buses for, on average, 25 to 35 percent longer than you are going to be sitting in your car. And, and, and you might be, quote unquote, wasting that time driving but at least you're not wasting that time sitting on a bus or a train. Yeah, I mean, you're saving yourself sort of the headache of congestion. Um, but I think, again, it's choosing the lesser of the two evils. I mean, some days it might make more sense to travel by car, or sometimes you're like, eh, you know what, I want to kick back, relax, maybe get a couple things done on public transit, and it's going to take a little bit more time, but you know you're going to get there um, in a reliable time manner and for the most part. Was there anything in the data that had a cause and effect for why the transit was so much slower than for just driving? Nothing that we saw. Um, I think if anything, it sort of just highlights that there there's probably still some room to maybe improve infrastructure overall, not just on the roads, but how public transit is working, how effective it is to sort of moving people um, and especially with like the growing population and we're going to keep seeing more and more people need to get to city centers as they kind of move further and further away, um, we maybe need to examine the best possible way to get them there in the quickest way possible. Yeah, and I found it interesting that the transit commute time for many riders is over an hour. And just looking at Dallas, 28% of people on transit commute for over an hour while only 2% of vehicles have an hour-long commute. That's just one of the 20 cities, but it was very similar to that in most of the cities. Do you think there's something that might flip that equation? Because I know the people on the transit side would love to see those numbers flipped. Yeah, I mean, I think that we're taking steps towards improving public transportation sort of everywhere. Um, I know locally where we are in Toronto, public transit's huge because it's very challenging to get downtown. So they're looking at things like uh, quicker trains or, you know, less frequent stops for some trains. Um, I think that those are sort of solutions that maybe we need to examine on a bigger scale to sort of see, okay, you know, we have this many people using public transit they want a reliable and quick way to get to work. How can we get that to them? Um, I definitely think there's technology and solutions out there. It's just a matter of rolling them out. I'm speaking with Kelly Hall. She's the communications lead at Geotab. So what does it really mean for fleets that have to deal with traffic? Here at our TV station, we have photographers and reporters that are, I mean, we have a fleet of them that are driving all the time on news stories and then breaking news is a whole different ball game when they're trying to rush to a, a certain place across town. But for fleets that have a, a plumbing business or electric business, whatever uh, those businesses are, they have a fleet of vehicles and they like to keep track of them. And traffic obviously really affects what they do. So I would think some of these numbers would be would be uh, valuable to them. For sure. I mean, at the end of the day, 
Um, if a business is running a fleet, that fleet or the drivers, uh, for them, it's kind of like time is money sort of thing. So they don't want to be sitting in traffic or they don't want their vehicles idling and wasting fuel um, in a quicker manner. They want to be looking for the optimal times and the optimal routes that their drivers should be sort of hitting the road. Um, having this kind of information where it's looking at, you know, commuter times, especially um, you think people are traveling to work in the morning and traveling home in the evening. Perhaps the time in between that is the more optimal time for drivers to be dispatched um, or looking at just alternative roads based off the fact that commuters are using the larger arteries uh, in the city. As part of this study, Geotab included a map for each one of the 20 cities in the study, and it includes separate areas that are shaded where drivers and conversely the transit users commute from. And I thought it was really interesting looking at the footprint of the drivers compared to the footprint of the transit users. And for most of the cities, the area is between the two is really the same, except for, let's say, New York City, Seattle, Boston. Those were a little bit different. But for those cities where the car footprint is much larger, they are still taking less time to travel into these cities than it is for the transit users to get into the city core and uh, that I, I guess it goes to urban sprawl where people live a lot farther out from these city cores and maybe have to travel to either the transit or just travel all the way into the city core. And yet the commute is still much less time for those drivers and transit riders. Do you have an account for why you've seen, even with the urban sprawl, it still doesn't take as much time for those folks that are way out to drive in rather than even the commuters who are starting at a closer distance to get to work? Yeah, I mean, I think you've sort of just nailed it on the head there with the urban sprawl. Um, That's something that we're seeing increasing as populations are growing, as more people are working in city centers. They are moving further and further out and living further from that city center, which means there's the road access, but perhaps the public transportation has just not caught up to that point quite yet. Um, And I think that that means that it probably will be as the populations keep heading further from the core, um, but it's just, it's not quite there yet. I think that um, transit infrastructure has been in place for quite some time in certain locations and just maybe needs to get caught up with where the populations are going. So how does that affect fleets and how they manage uh, what they do? Yeah, I mean, so, you know, a lot of fleets, like particularly, let's say, delivery drivers, they are going to be needing to access Um, that city core, I think good news is that they're driving. So based on this study, it's not going to take them as long as, let's say, somebody who's using the public transportation system, which obviously fleets don't have that option to do. So I think that having, you know, the road structure in place um, is great for them to be able to get there in time. But obviously there's improvement there as well. We're seeing more and more vehicles on the road, um, we're seeing, you know, the headaches of sitting in traffic. I'm sure you experience it. I do every single day, um, just sort of increasing and increasing. We're going to keep seeing that affect fleets, um, and there's going to have to be maybe some alternatives looked at. And, you know, we could talk about, like, autonomous vehicles and different technologies that are emerging, but we're still a little ways out from that, I think. Yeah, because that is going to truly change the way these businesses and 5G will change the way these businesses operate in the future. If someone wanted to see this data, 
and the list of cities that were included in your survey, where can they find it? So we have our entire study online at geotab.com slash time to commute. Um, you can click through the different interactive maps and sort of toggle on and off between car and public transit and see how bad your commute is or how great your commute is maybe compared to some of the the New York City travelers or um, the San Diego uh, commuters who have the best commute uh, in the U.S. based off this data. And yeah, I hope everybody enjoys it. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because San Diego really is, people think it's a really big town. It's really compact and it isn't as uh, as big as most people think compared obviously to Los Angeles and and the San Francisco Bay Area and even towns like Denver and Phoenix where there's a lot of uh, more room to grow San Diego has one side that's uh, well ocean and you and not a whole lot of people live in there yeah exactly I mean <laughs> I wish my commute was 26 minutes every day that would be great <laughs> exactly well mine is because I come to work I leave for uh, from my house at three o'clock in the morning so it takes me 23 minutes to get here um, because it's just me and the and the truckers and the cops and the drunks <laughs> Well, I hope not the latter, but <laughs> I am jealous, although I don't want to start my day at 3 a.m. <laughs> Nobody does want to start their day at 3 a.m. Kelly Hall, the communications lead at Geotab, thanks again for being here on the Driving You Crazy podcast and sharing all that uh, study information with us. Great. Thank you very much for having me. And if you wanted to go see that uh, study once again and all the maps that I was uh, talking about, uh, you can go to geotab.com. It's G-E-O-T-A-B. Dot com And it's on the front page of their website there called America's Best and Worst Commuter Cities. So you can see all that information right there. And before the interview, I asked Kelly about 5G uh, since their business basically is centered all around connected vehicles and connected fleets. And 5G is really going to change the way they do business and collect data for these fleets and the way these fleets are going to use the data. And it might even change their business altogether since the 5G might completely uh, uh, go right, just skip the middleman, if you will, and then go right to these fleets where they can manage it themselves. It will really be interesting to see how all that changes. Well, anyway, I was going to ask Kelly about 5G, but she said she wasn't comfortable answering any of the 5G questions. She says she's not really the 5G expert, so I didn't uh, really talk about it there in the interview. But congestion, obviously... For companies and fleets especially is a big deal. Imagine the companies that have to go out and drive. There's a lot of folks that do sales calls and obviously all the delivery companies, the service industry folks who are fixing your air conditioners and fixing your garage doors and they have to deal with the congestion and the trash trucks that are out there collecting and going from one place to a far distance and they have to deal with all that congestion. So a lot of these fleets use services like Geotab so they can understand uh, how best to manage where their fleets are and how to get them from place to place efficiently because it saves them a lot of money in wear and tear on the vehicles and in gasoline costs, labor costs. As I mentioned in the interview, it affects us here at Denver 7 at the TV station because we have photographers and reporters driving around our station vehicles all the all over the place and they have to be maintained just like any other fleet has to be maintained and then when there's breaking news they have to rush out as fast as they can and try to find the quickest route occasionally they'll yell to me and ask me which uh, which way they should go and which is the fastest way to get from this place to that place so anyway i thought it was pretty interesting especially when you look at that study and you start looking at the uh, commute times between 
transit users and drivers. It, it was Atlanta was 34% faster in a car or in a vehicle than it is on transit. Uh, Chicago was 30% faster. So it was really interesting to see that uh, to see how much faster it was and how much longer it was taking on the trains and on the buses. And so maybe it is a matter of changing the infrastructure of how those vehicles get from place to place. You would think a train would be faster because it is on its own track and it doesn't have to deal with any congestion except stopping at these certain stations. So maybe it's time like we have certain buses here, I know not only in in Metro Denver, but in other cities, they have express route buses. We have Manger Street called Broadway. We have another one, Colfax. And they have, uh, like on Colfax, it's the 15 and the 15L, the 15 Limited. And the same thing on Broadway, the Zero Bus or the Zero L, the Limited Bus. And they only stop at certain uh, stops. So they'll stop at major intersections like a train would if it was on a track instead of being on the street. So the Limited Buses are usually longer. They're usually those articulated buses with that extra piece on the back. And they can uh, carry more passengers, and they typically go um, longer distances without stopping, and not the local stops where they they could stop every couple of blocks, and they're supposed to take more people to be more regional, going from one hub to another hub, and go a little bit faster. And you would think the trains would be faster because they are on their own track, but maybe they have to start having that same mentality where the trains will only stop at certain stops, on their way to the major hub so they can move some of those trains and passengers faster. But then how do you do that? Because you only have one track. So you can't have a local train stopping at all the stops and then have a well an express train rolling through there without more track. I think they do that in New York City where they have some subways, where they have some express subways that pass other local subways so they can get going a little bit faster all the transit people are going to be screaming uh, at me that says that we need more money for better transit and we need to figure this out and we need to pour money into transit rather than more money into traffic lanes. But obviously people still want to drive and not everybody wants to get on transit. So maybe if transit was super fast and maybe if transit was super reliable and, and, and comfortable and not uh, scary for some, then more folks would use it. But then you have the uh, overcrowding of the subways or the trains and the buses, and then people are going to start saying, oh, this is no good for me because I'm uncomfortable and I'd be more comfortable in my car even though it might cost me a little bit more or might take me a little bit longer to get there. I'm just more comfortable. My wife is like that. She just feels more comfortable. And you can't fault her for that. You can't fault anybody for wanting to feel more comfortable in the way they commute, right? At least that's the way I think. Um, But some people don't think that way. (laughs) And we talk about them and with them here on the old Driving You Crazy podcast. But anyway, thanks to Kelly for uh, joining me here on the show. And I thought it was pretty interesting. Again, you can find it at uh, geotab.com, G-E-O-T-A-B.com, and look for their uh, story that's right there on the homepage about commuting. All right, Nicole, now it's time to open up the Driving You Crazy podcast mailbag. I know you're excited about this. I don't have a sound effect for the mailbag opening, mm. uh, so I'll just say uh, it's happening now. Uh, can, you make, uh, can you make a sound effect for that? An old-fashioned mailbag Something, ma- I don't know. I don't know. An email, maybe. All right. Well, anyway, <laughs> you've got mail. 
Uh, today we have a phone message from Lloyd. Yes, this is nothing breaking news, but this is Lloyd calling about Eisenhower Tunnel. I watch the traffic report every morning, and you talk about the traffic to and from Eisenhower. There's two tunnels up there. The westbound traffic goes through Eisenhower. What tunnel name is the eastbound traffic? I think I know, but I'm not 100% sure, but I think. So check and see. It kind of bugs me that you don't give that on the traffic report. And uh, I'm available most of the time. I live in a home for the elderly. Anyway, uh, check on those tunnels. I think I'm right. Thank you. And goodbye. I feel like there was a little uh, sass in yeah. Lloyd's voice. A little bit of sass there. Well, yeah. I think he was sassing me a little bit. You can call me anytime, Jason. <laughs> yeah. I did. Schooling. I yeah. did call him back, by okay. the way. And he says he isn't sure what the name of the other tunnel is, but he, he knows. He knows what it is. Yeah. You know, he, he was just being sassy. I think he was either testing me because, you know, I'm a young whippersnapper, according to him, (laughs) and I'm not that young, or he was just uh, intimating that I need to say the name of both tunnels and not just the one tunnel. Okay. I don't know the other one. You don't know? No. What is it? The answer is the Johnson Tunnel. Oh, okay. The Johnson Tunnel, yes. What is the Johnson Tunnel, Alex? That's the Johnson Tunnel. I have heard you talk about that. That's the name of the second tunnel. Uh, the Eisenhower is the westbound side, or bore as they like to call it, mm-hmm. of I-70. It goes under the Continental Divide here in Colorado. And the Johnson Tunnel is the eastbound mm-hmm. side of I-70. And the Department of Transportation here in Colorado, they use acronyms, a- acronyms for just about everything. Uh, and they call it the EJMT, the Eisenhower-Johnson Memorial Tunnels. Okay, yeah. So, so that's how just they refer to it as the EJMT. But I... I could never use the EJMT on TV no, because no, nobody knows what I'm exactly. No. They think I'm talking about some kind of a rash that you might get, right? <laughs> a band, maybe. Something band. like, yeah, the, the band. Yeah, I'm going to go see EMG, uh, EJMT tonight. <laughs> so I usually just say Eisenhower because that's the name we traffic people just call both tunnels. Nobody says EJMT or the Eisenhower-Johnson tunnels. They just don't do it. It's just uh-huh. easier to say up at Eisenhower. Yeah. Um, that's the camera. That's the name on the camera that's up there. Sure. We use that camera often that shows both sides of the tunnels, right. um, the east side and the west side, and it says Eisenhower up there. It was the first tunnel. It should get the name, right? Yeah. I mean, he's the one who, who President Eisenhower, yeah. who really instituted the highway Highways, system. Yeah, so. And so why not give him the credit instead of the Johnson credit. the credit? For just being president when the eastbound side was created. Right. 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 Yeah. Exactly. Because yeah. um, the Eisenhower side opened in 73. Johnson opened up in 79. So, well, I guess he, I so guess he Ford was, he was, yeah, I guess it was then, Ford yeah. who was president at that well, point, right? Well, let's rename it. He, no, Carter. Somehow, Carter in 79. Was it Carter? Yeah. Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. It was Ford before that. Yeah. Ford before then Nixon, that. Then Carter. Yeah, before that. And then it was Johnson. Before that, and that was Kennedy before that, because it was Kennedy, Johnson, right? Yes, you're right. Nixon, yeah. mm-hmm. Ford, Ford, Carter, Reagan. Reagan. There we go. 
getting my president straight by go. Nicole. Thank em. you very much. But maybe I should go back and look because I know it opened up in 79, but maybe it started back earlier than that. But still, even maybe, if it yeah. did, but because the, the, the Eisenhower side opened in 73 and Eisenhower obviously was, was long before that and even before Johnson. So I'm going to have to get to the bottom of this, Nicole. Yeah. Why not name it Carter since he was president at that time? By maybe, the way, maybe we could get him out here, do a rededication. Oh, get Jimmy, Jimmy Carter. Carter yeah. No, he well, he just fell. All, oh, he just fell down, and broke his hip. Oh, uh, and he's all Hanging upset on. about it because he um, he can't go turkey hunting, and he wants the state of Georgia to actually extend the turkey season for <laughs> him so he can keep on turkey hunting when he's able to uh. stand again. Um, by the way, the the tunnels when they were open, the east and westbound side, highest elevated tunnels in the world wow. at that time at 11,158 feet. They still remain the highest elevation tunnels in the United States. Uh, there is one, I think, in China. Hmm. I think it's in China that is higher in elevation wow. now, tunnels. Um, but you've reported from up there many yes. times, terrible weather conditions. Usually that's the reason. You're not going yeah. up there when it's nice and sunny. No, they never send us on fun, fun little nice sunny stories. What's it like out. up there when the snow is blowing like crazy and it's uh, cold and it's just super yeah, winter and I up hate, there? Yeah, I hate that shot. I mean, I hate just standing on the side of the road there and the wind blowing at you is the worst. Um, I, I much prefer when we do ski stories on days when it's a nice bluebird day and we just go out and talk to, talk to them. I, um, I don't, yeah. I mean, do we really need it? The reporter out there? We no, the we camera. don't. No, we, we don't. We have the camera there. Yeah, exactly. We don't need that's well. That's coming from you, a seasoned journalist exactly. who gets stuck out in the in the winter time. It's talking about hey, this uh, this road is icy. Don't drive on it, right. and if you do, go slow. And go I slow. mean, how many times can you say that? Yeah, no. Is a that lot. a pet peeve a of lot. yours? A lot. We can say it a lot. I, uh, yeah, it is. I, I mean, we we. We do a, a, a probably excessive weather coverage, uh, but we've gotten a little bit more, a little smarter about spreading out the reporters. Maybe they haven't just sent us to a place to stand there as much as maybe in the past. I don't think I went to the Eisenhower Tunnel this year. I think mo- more of my days were well with the bomb cyclone. We had South yeah. I twenty five was it was a big deal, of course, and then. Um, well, and yeah, a lot of our uh, a lot of our storms kind of hit more in the the metro area. And we use a lot of our trucks with the cameras in them exactly. and, and do the driving shots, yeah. that I mean, sort we, of thing. You know, it's the point that we are we're trying to show people what they're going to experience. More of our viewers are going to be driving right around here as opposed to heading west. Exactly. On a weekday, yeah. But you don't have to worry about that now because we are heart full oh, into spring. Thank God. Snow is behind us. Do you know it was just snowing at my house a week ago today? Three inches of snow in my house. That, yeah. Today, it's 80 degrees. Ah. Uh, Crazy. Uh, but I did I did call back Lloyd, and I had a nice little conversation with Lloyd for a few minutes about the Eisenhower-Johnson tunnel. Uh, he was nice enough, but I, I think he wants me to say on television, anytime I refer to it, as the Eisenhower-Johnson tunnels and not just Eisenhower. So, you know, he's he's a little bit bugged about it, but... Sorry, Lloyd. Sometimes you just kind of have to be bugged about the people on TV. Now, why don't you throw it in there once in a while? Once, once in a while. A, Maybe I'll just do it once there. in a while. Okay. Maybe I should do a trifecta where I'd use the, the EJMT, the Eisenhower, or the Eisenhower-Johnson tunnels. Yes. Maybe I'll do that.
All right. Maybe a compromise of some sort, Nicole. Something yes. like that. Anyway, that's the, that's the program we have for you today. Huge program. It was. This has been a huge program. Well, I'm happy to be back, and you can invite me anytime. While Joseph is out on his extended <laughs> leave. I know this could tend uh, turn into a, a, a forever time off. I never know. He said he had intentions of coming back, but you never know. Yeah, you never know be, with, with good old Joseph. He probably likes sleeping now. He probably know? does. Yeah. He's probably just being lazy, and now that it's summertime, he's not going to want to come in. Nah. And do you think he really would, on a winter's day, when it's a little bit snowy, want to drive in from Lakewood to uh, record the show? I don't think so. Yeah, it's going to be a problem. You know, And there are days where you really need a co-host, like today, but there are other days where I have like these longer interviews that we have. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Coming up next week, I'm going to be talking to a professor, a doctor, of professorness, um, <laughs> doctor of professorness. <laughs> anyway, she's going to be talking about her website called theautoprofessor.com, and we'll be speaking with Dr. Norma Hubel. She's a former university professor and now consumer advocate, and has this safety rating for cars that have been involved in fatal crashes. And it'll be interesting to hear from her and how she grades cars differently than the National Highway Transportation Safety Administration grades their crash tests. It's an interesting conversation, yeah. and I'll have that for you next week. It'll be great. There if you're go. buying a car, you're going to want to catch that in. Most definitely. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, thanks again, Nicole, for filling in. Of course. Good luck on the half marathon. Thank you. <laughs> I will. I'll need a ride back. Okay. When that's over. Perfect. So, I'll, you know, yeah. whatever you need. Uh, thanks again for listening. <laughs> Until next time, I'm Jason Luber, the traffic guy. And gracias, arigato, to our viewers, listeners in Spain and Japan. There. Be safe, and as always, happy motoring.